Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's been a long time since we've done an episode. Well, a long time since I've done an episode. Um, but it's great to be back. I'm like really excited because MLS happened this weekend and USL Championship was like another week and a half. And but the granddaddy of them all, the greatest, the craziest, the most chaotic league in all of US starts up March 17th with NCFC versus Tormenta. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And to help me break down on this podcast, six teams, and then on another podcast, another six teams, is my two chocolate friends. And our show is now sponsored by 50 Plus Darna. So, Jake, uh, make sure that you write that check because we need it. It's Ebony and Kyle. How are you guys doing? Good. It's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been a good time. Had the Featherstone event on Saturday, so that was pretty cool. Raised over $600, I think, just on raffle tickets. So I'm in a good mood. That's good. That's good, man. Good to see y'all doing things in the community. Um, By the way, Kyle, you look like you just took an edible because it is snuggy on, and you look relaxed as hell. I'm very tired. Uh, the snuggy is just because this basement is cold, so I was like, I should just wear something to keep myself warm. So it's a, it's a good combo. This is this is how I look at work most of the time. And Ebony, is this barred loud? Is this barred now like your second house? Because you you have been here a lot of times when we recorded. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> you just have a running tab there. I'm like very concerned now. No, 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 no. I pay my tab. Okay. I was about to say, like, please don't be in debt to this bar. <laughs> like our entire budget goes to this. Oh, but man, yo, real quick, before we get into it, man, like, how excited are y'all for the league about to start? Like, we're like, what, two and a half weeks, officially away from the start of the season, you know, yo. jersey is starting to drop, team dudes are slowing down, you know, how are y'all feeling? It's weird. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I agree. I wasn't ready for two and a half weeks until season starts. Yeah. It's close. Like I, I looked at the calendar today, and I was like, "You got this weekend," and I think USL Championship starts up next weekend. And then I looked at it again. And I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like USL League really starts up in two and a half weeks, and I'm like, "Oh, we gotta start doing our podcast." Well, I was talking to my mom, and uh, she was like, "Oh, when does the season start?" I was like, "Oh, it starts in like you know, not that it's still kind of far. It starts in like end of March." She's like, "So a month." I was like, "Oh, fuck." Yeah, okay, the season starts in a month. <laughs> All right. right. Well, like, yeah, it, it, it felt like it snuck up on me this last month. Yeah, it, it really does feel like it, man. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, because normally, like, Richmond's first game is kind of like a home game. So I was like, oh, April 1st is when the season starts. And then my wife was like, no, it starts April 18th, Elliot. I was like, no, it doesn't. It starts April 1st. And she was like, Elliot, go look at your phone. And I looked, and I was like, eh. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> so, yeah. But, y'all, we got some leaders to talk about before we go into these team breakdowns. Um, First and foremost, Eb, your lovely team is playing Sunderland until I die. They're not dying anymore because they're in the championship. Are they close to promotion? I think. Um, no, not really. No. I don't think they're close to promotion. But... No, I don't I'm think so. Right now. But it's still be oh. fun. Yeah, we grow as a fan. It'd be cool. Is he NCFC? You okay, know, they're ninth. They're ninth, and they're only four points out of a playoff spot. 
Okay, okay. So they're there ish. But yeah. Adam, talk to us. Like, how cool is this to have your team potentially play in a friendly? Uh, I mean, we've done it before. I mean, not um, playing a friendly, but play against Sunderland. Yeah, so playing against it'll be fun. Um, we, historically, we've not done bad against like teams we bought in. Like we've had, we've played a Mexican team. We've played other <laughs> England teams. So it's it's never <laughs> sorry a bad time. Um, bullshit. <laughs> allergy season has come early and it is hell. Um, <laughs> So it'll be fun. I'm expecting like a 1-1 or a 2-2 just because our USL League 1 guys are going to play their freaking hearts out just because they're never going to do this again. And it could get it could get very entertaining. Like, I think we tied West Ham 1-1 and Andy Carroll It's like, what are we doing here? This is Cary, North Carolina. So. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it's gonna be fun. I wonder if any Sunderland fans would it'd be interesting. Well, um, I mean, so there was a time where so when we played West Ham, we had people come over from England, follow yeah. West Ham in the United States, and then go home because it was cheaper than buying a ticket in West Ham. That's, that's sad and insane. <laughs> that's wild. Um, that's wild. Yeah, that's that wow. Okay. Um, another team that has a big friendly coming up is Century Valley Fuego, uh, the team that we have put our SOS on because, correct me if I'm wrong, we really haven't heard a lot from them. Uh, but apparently they're playing Pachuca in another friendly. I think their friendly is coming up very soon, if I'm not mistaken, right? That one is going to be on. Oh, is that a preseason game? Yeah, that's March 25th. Yeah, yeah. I think that one's coming up very soon. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, I'm that's kind of literally month. <laughs> right, but that's literally really cool for Fuego to see that coming up very soon, right? Like, I mean, we still got, I believe, stadium issues, and I hope they're still not over for our beer. But besides that, I mean, look, hey. if you can get a Liga MX champion, <laughs> like this, is, it's not even like you know lower team back. This is a team that just won a league title last year. Yeah. They won the first half of the se- like the first half title. Like that's impressive to get a team like that to come and play in your stadium. I do wonder this, however. I wonder if Pachuca is using this to get ready for the all glorious, the exclusive, the high riveting leagues cup that's in the middle of the season during a preseason for them and in the middle of the MLS season. I don't know. It's weird. Well, they also got CONCACAF Champions League as well. Ooh. Yeah, because their first CONCACAF Champions League uh, is the 9th of March, and then they have their second leg on the 16th. That has to be fun. (laughs) Well, we have some other news, but we'll say that for the second part of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is in two parts, so make sure you listen to both parts to get a full review of the league because – we even broke down some teams. So let me state this out first. We're not giving out specific predictions here. We're not going to let you know, like, oh, this team can finish here, or I expect this person did it. We'll save that for our pod next week where we have Brandon and Chip on. You know, we got to have them on for tax purposes reasons because we have too many shows just for the three of us. The FBI looks at us kind of funny. So we'll have them on next week. 
But right now, we're going to go do our team breakthroughs. And also, I think Chip is in France. I wonder if he's got stopped by Customs yet. Has he even landed? Has he left? He leaves tomorrow. Yeah, but you know, Chip, like, the odds of him getting stopped by Customs are very high. That'd be hilarious if he got stopped by Customs with a wife and child in tow. <laughs> the wife and child goes to a camp. Well, is, is he doing a direct flight straight to France? Because what if he has a layover? And depending on where that layover is, that could get funnier. This is true. This is true. I don't know. Maybe Chips should tweet from the Walking 90 account about Chips Adventure. It'd be good to track that to see where he gets stopped at along the way. All right. Muffo, sidetrack, getting back to it. So, like I said, team breakthroughs. We're going to start off with Ebb. Um, she's going to go through where they finished at, key departures, key signings. What's the toughest part of the season? Some noticeable questions she might have, how they play, what's the ceiling of floor for this team. And then we'll open it up a little bit for questions. So, Ebb, you are first on the board, ma'am. You get to go. Woo. So... First up is Union Omaha. They finished last year in fifth. They got knocked out in the quarterfinals. Um, they've picked up some really key signings and actually retained some really key people. Uh, they picked up Joe Gallardo. Uh, they kept uh, New Who. Uh, picked up Luca. Uh, I mean, the two biggest like depart like losses for them, honestly, uh, was Mims and Jiba. Like those are gonna be their biggest, their biggest losses. Um, another, I mean, I guess we can go into their toughest part of the season. Uh, they have a very, very tough stretch, all of the month of May. Um, and you'll actually see for a lot of mine, there's a lot of those stretches where I'm like, wow, you have eight games in 30 days. What are you gonna do with life? Because these benches aren't deep. And what are like, how are you gonna? Which leads to one of my questions, but we'll go into that in a second. And then they have a really, really odd stretch from the 19th of August through September 16th, where they play potential like top six teams several times. So they got Chattanooga, Greenville, NCFC, the Kickers. And then Chattanooga again. That's a lot. And those are some very heavyweight teams. We don't know what they're going to do, uh, especially because this leads into the question of how long are you giving your coach to really perform? Because that, that early May stretch of games is going to really define how this coach is going to play. Because I don't know how they're going to play. They, they, they are – They've always been a very defensive-minded team. I don't know if you can say that they are that this year. Like, there's no – don't know if it's, like, for sure going to be the same type of style because I don't know what this coach can do. Um, I mean, the ceiling – when we hit the highs and lows of this year, for them, the high is making the playoffs at all. Uh, and for them, the floor is – if you ask the fans, it's not making it at all to the playoffs. But if you ask me, it's 10th or below. Okay. All right, so the only question I have for you, you know, Omaha, is 
how much is this coach changing the system up? Like, is he changing yeah. it up from the defensive system that we know about you, Yoma, and trying to make them more expansive? Or is he going to be like, all right, this is what worked, and we're just going to do little tweaks here and there and just keep it pushing? Well, that also leads into if he's going to change the formation, are you giving him that chance to change all of your formation up and move stuff around so that you can get a new system in place? Or are they just going pitchforks first four games? I mean, if they struggle, if they lose their first game, there there will be pitchforks. That's wild. I mean, they're playing Madison. So, obviously, anytime Omaha – if Omaha ever loses the Madison, the pitchforks are going to come out on that side. Right. Yeah. It seems like it. I mean, but, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I think they've made some oh, pretty decent side. They've made some good signings, though, like since getting this new coach. But I just wonder – with that new coach coming in late, is it going to be too late for him to kind of get kind of like what you two were saying, like get whatever system that he wants in there? So that'll be the thing I'm curious about. Yeah, and I know. Look, preseason is one thing, but when you play regular season games, it's it's totally different. You know, it's a totally different tempo, and we know Union Omaha; they've been known for that tempo and that pace and that style. And it's going to be totally different. This isn't Jay Mims anymore. Like, it's going to be totally different to see how you know my dude. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I have Greenville. Uh, so, Greenville last year finished second in the regular season, uh, but knocked out in the semis to their father's Tormenta, um, as some people will call them, Darth Vader, uh, to Greenville. Um, key signings. You got Devin Boyce, who – didn't do also well in USL Championship, whether that's injury or just not being acclimated to Memphis. Uh, didn't work out too well, but he comes back to USL League One. Tevin Shaw, who was a defensive midfielder for FC Tucson, despite how bad FC Tucson was, he was one of the bright spots there. And Daniel Wu. So I, I want to take a moment. There's two players that I'm going to like really crush on. Daniel Wu was one of them. And here's the reason why. He is... Uh, John Hargs does a really good job of getting center backs in and developing them and like making them a core part of that system. Daniel is about to be like a core part of this Greenville system. And it's scary just because he does a real good job of like ball control and playing out of the back and whatnot. And don't get me wrong, Greenville has good center backs like that. But when you think Greenville center backs, you don't think, oh, they can, you know, they can make the long pass or, you know, they can just. The short medium range, like the range of passing for you don't think of a Greenfield center back. You think hard nose, physical, stick to that man, higher tackles. Daniel Wu is in that. And I'm really excited to see how John Hargis does with him. Um, key releases, Paul Christensen. He's now a pastor. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> and also Don Smart is no longer there. He has refused to retire again, going to Lexington. Um Toughest part of the season is actually the open part of their season. Um, they opened up the season against Richmond at home. Phoenix in the U.S. Open Cup was they got going to Rofu, Road to Tormenta on the road and Madison on the road. And this is a Greenville team that we all know loves being at home, but they're not at Legacy College anymore. They're at uh, Furman now. And it, when I looked at that schedule, I just think that's a real tough start. Not saying they're going to struggle, but it's just a real – Tough opening for them those first couple of games. Uh, so I'm kind of concerned about that. My main question about Greenville, and Kyle, uh, you can let me know whether or not you agree with me or not. Who's the backup striker? 
and who will be the starting goalkeeper on day one? Because our questions last year was, who's going to be the striker? And we still have that question now, just who's the backup? And then it's who's going to be the starter on, on day one and goalkeeper? Because the last four years, we knew that question coming into it. Now we don't know. We don't know who's going to be the starter. And, we, and if you know anything about Greenville, outside of that back forward, they rely heavily on that goalkeeper to be a core part of that defense and start some of those attacks. Um, like before, like they set up on the counter, they hit on the break. The back line is very solid and pretty much, if I'm lying, I'm dying. They're one of the best units of all of soccer. Like that Greenville back four, I think if you can put them in any squad, they make them significantly better. I think they're that solid. Um, the ceiling for this team, they could be the one seed. But the floor is barely making the playoffs as a sixty. I don't see a scenario that Ev is probably going to agree with me on of them missing out of the playoffs. Like the floor is one, and the ceiling is sixty that they scrapped to get in on the last day. But I don't, I don't see them missing the playoffs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that is my review on Greenville. Any questions? I mean, they did. Announce resigning like earlier this month. They brought back one of their keepers, Ben Hale. I don't know. It, it sounds like he's going to be in the mix, and he's also firm and alum. So maybe yeah. it's him. I don't know. I know, but okay. So here's my thing with Greenville that I I guess it is hard. Like this is why I'm kind of high on them because my only real question is midfield. I mean, is goalkeeper like backup striker? Greenville can kind of choppy change that. They'll figure that out. But it. For Greenville, you really look at is that back four and that goalkeeper that is the core part of that team. And I just look at that goalkeeper, I said that no one jumps off the board that I'm like, all right, he's the day one starter. You know, it's a kind of like like you said before, like it could be this guy, but then it could be this guy. Or, you know, it's just I, I'm just interested to see what Greenville does there. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I, I, I just don't know. Like, the backup striker is definitely going to be interesting since they did lose Nico Brown as well, so they lost another attacker. Um, yeah. They still – I mean, they brought back a Levitz, which, good. Good to have someone that you know can at least start in this league, but yeah. behind him, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't really know. But, all right, Kyle, I'm moving on to you, bud. All right, so I had <laughs> Chattanooga Red Wolves, everyone's favorite team. Uh, last year, they finished fourth in regular season, uh, got to the final, and lost to Tormenta in the playoffs. So I would say overall, not a bad year considering all of the uh, controversy, let's say. They, for the incomings, they had Jackson Brady and Walter Varela from championship teams. Uh, both of them looked pretty impressive last year in the championship. And then they got a new coach, uh, Ziggy Kortoski. Um He was over at Albion uh, San Diego. Uh, so he's coming in. Uh, wh- who they lost, it felt like everyone either went to North Carolina or they lost Juan Galindres, uh, Jose Garcia, and Daniel Navarro were probably the three most notable. Um, their toughest part of the season, and to reiterate what Yogi was saying earlier, the toughest part does not mean I think they'll do bad. I'm just saying you look at that part and you go, ooh. Okay, yeah. good luck. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not pretty. And this is this stretch for Chattanooga is going to be rough. It's in August uh, from the 9th through the 23rd. So they have Ford Madison on the road on a w- midweek. 
Then they play at home to Richmond. Then they go to Omaha and they go to Greenville and the Greenville match is midweek. That's pretty brutal. You have two, two midweek games uh, and three of the four on the road and the one home game you have is Richmond. Who's probably going to want to have some revenge in some capacity. So definitely going to be, I feel like if Chattanooga can get on that stretch doing pretty well, I think that that would uh, be promising for the rest of the season. The question I really am trying to figure out is how will the new coaching staff, you know, assimilate a new culture and how, and will the team be better for it uh, with Jimmy Oblata suspension and investigation due to kind of that toxic work environment, you know, just toxic training. I don't know how much of that affected the Chattanooga players leaving, but I'm sure it didn't help. So is having that new, and I mean, Jimmy weekly did all right, but he was still, you know, part of that same culture and same system. So now you have to reset that culture. How will the team do? How is that? Are they going to fare better? Are they going to fare worse? Like what's is the departures going to be too much to make, to make up in that regards. So I think that's going to be the big question. And I mean, Chattanooga's coach, Kortowski also came in later. Uh, the normal thing he was announced kind of like November, like November, early December. So it's kind of a, all right, you also have to play catch up to everyone else. So I wonder how much of that new culture will help the team. Um, in the past, Chattanooga played, they were kind of more of a physical team. They were trying to dominate the midfield and just be relentless and attack. Uh, with Gregorio Garcia, with Galindras, with Mo Espinosa, with Rafa Benz again. They just had high-quality attacking players left, right, and center. I don't know how much of that is going to change with this new coach, but that will be something to watch. Um, I think the ceiling, though, is you know Chattanooga could still finish in the top four and make a deep run in the playoffs again, just like they did last year. Um, but I can also see a situation where too many other key players left. Uh, the coach, I think just having a coach start up later, I think, like I said, that stretch in August could really make or break that season. So I could see him just missing out of the playoffs. So that's kind of what the floor is. Uh, but the ceiling, I think if things click, they can do pretty well again. Um, because they kept, they still kept some talent. It's not, you know, they did lose a lot of players, but they still kept the key contingent. All right. Any questions, Ab? Um, what is this? Well, you kind of sort of asked the same question, but does this new lineup change how they play out of the midfield? Like you said, they're very dominant midfield, but like, do they go now towards more like a, a counterattack type of vibe? Do they? I mean, would Jake. I, I don't think so, honestly. I feel like it'll be one of those where we'll see how. Albion San Diego did in the past and kind of see like what their style was. And I wouldn't be surprised if he tried implementing that style um, as well. It's also weird because he was, I don't know why he decided to leave Albion considering Demba Ba is the chairperson of that team. Wait, what? Yes. Demba Ba is the chairperson of Albion San Diego. All right. I, I don't know. And I mean, they finished, and I think last year in Nisa, like they finished, like they did pretty well, all things considered. I think they made the playoffs, got pretty deep in the playoffs, and also finished like top four in the regular season. So I think they're, they're definitely bringing someone that has that credibility, but I don't know. Yeah, kind of to answer Ab's question, I don't 
think much is going to change. I think they'll still try and do all that. And probably the season after, if he gets that chance, when we'll really start seeing um, his Quite style. Wrong, but he's the first coach from NISA, which, by the way, that league has not been ran well. He's the first coach to make the jump from NISA up to USL League One, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and I think that's why having Valera help <clears throat> out as well, because you know him and Valera do have that <clears throat> history um, yeah. as play together. So, should be it should be interesting to see. All right, Ev, are you eating fries? <laughs> nacho chips. No, they're all chips. on the nacho chips. They're just plain ones. I got a, a nacho, a Taco Bell box. Oh, I thought so. You're not even gonna like. No, there's no cheese. There's no peppers. No meat. Oh, there's cheese. So at some point, Eb is gonna leave the podcast because her stomach is gonna be like, "Yep, it's about that time." <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. All right. All right. What's on you, homie? You got one, Knox. Knoxville, Knoxville, uh, Knoxville comes in from League Two as the first in the South Central Division. Um, and got knocked out in the quarterfinals, uh, conference finals. I'm sorry. Um, some big additions. Um, they picked up Jordan Skelton from NCFC. Um, Chattanooga was having a fire sale, so they got Jimmy Villalobos. They got the Cardiac King, Jake Keegan. <laughs> For those of you who know why we're laughing. There's a sticker that we made for Jake Keegan for Cardio Club. Because <laughs> in Kyle's words, the last three years, this man has done nothing but just run. <laughs> he was just out getting a cardio workout. Goals? Yeah, nah. Not what he's paid to do. Just get a workout in. This is the Florence Gump of USL League One. <laughs> and then they also picked up Gabriel Claudio. <laughs> um... Can't really say what key departures they are because I don't really know League Two, and so I can't really say someone leaving to go somewhere else is gonna be good or not till I can see the play for a year. Um, but uh, we talk about tough schedules. They have a very tough September, and that's because they they see Tormenta twice. Honestly, um, they're away at Tormenta. Away at Madison, they only have one home game, and that's versus Greenville. And then they're away at Tormenta again. That's rough. Good luck, especially towards that's the end of the season, and that could be very defining for you. No, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> um, so, so, some questions I'm asking, like, how will they compete as an expansion team? We've seen expansions come into this league before, and they've had very wild different results. Which way are they going to take? And where does the academy fit into the ambitions of all of this? Because you spent a lot of money, but you ain't pulled no academy kids in yet that you're trying to, that you're quote unquote looking to expand. You know, where does where does it come in? Um, they honestly, if they're not scoring like four goals a game, it's a problem. They have a lot of forwards. I expect like a four-five-one counter-attacking, all of that. Like, go get goals. Um, honestly, for this team, 
I think the way they're the way they sort of start building a roster, playoffs, maybe even hosting gets the ceiling for them. Um, anything ten or below is the floor for them because there's a lot of expectations going into it, especially the way they spent this offseason, uh, as versus like as opposed to like Lexington, that we just it's just kind of like a. If you don't make uh, – really, it's if you don't make the playoffs, we're all kind of disappointed in you. We're that dad that's like, at least you tried, son, but I'm still disappointed. You suck to do the dishes. It's like that dad that knows his son sucks at basketball, but he's like, go out there and try, son. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So, I guess my biggest question about One Knox is, like you said, they, they put a lot of money into big free agent signings, but – is this a team that's going to be able to gel quickly given the disparity between, like, it seems like they put all their money in the first 11 and then, like, 12 through 20, they were like, you want to play? Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jimmy helps with that cohesion. He can, he can bring those those te- those lines together, I think. Yeah. But it doesn't – it does. I don't know how, how all of that money translates to wins. And I guess my other question is, like like we said, like the money they put into this team is obviously got to be success year one. But are is this a situation where the coach is going to get top if it doesn't go well? Like, say, May, they get knocked out of U.S. Open Cup early. Is this a situation where they're like, all right, coach, you're gone, or we're going to give you time? I think they'll give them time. I think, yes, they are – putting in a lot into trying to build up their League 2 side. But it would feel a little harsh to just expect, because we don't know. This is the first time we've seen a team make that jump up. We've seen teams take a step down, but we've never seen a team take that jump up. So how, I I feel like it'd be a little harsh just because we don't know what to expect. I mean, yeah, they brought in some bona fide players that have that experience, which will help, but you're still trying to bring along, you know, now you have a whole different training regimen. Now you have, now you have a longer season. So how do you, it's just that adjustment. Cause when you're doing league two, you're not going from uh, March to October. You're pretty much just doing like a couple months of the summer. That's it. And you're relying on kids that are like, you're relying on college students that want to come in and make that impression as well. So I I think it, it would be harsh to kind of, not give him time because taking that step up is going to be a lot harder than I think people realize. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting point to keep, keep an eye on. I mean, one of is definitely going to be one of the teams that I think a lot of newbies to League One, guys, people that are just casual watch League One, I feel like one is going to be that team they just throw on and be like, all right, let me see how they're doing, just because how intriguing they are. Um, So, for me, I have my beloved Richmond Kickers. As you know, last year we finished first in the regular season, and that's all that happened, and that's all we need to mention and talk about. Nothing else happened in the playoffs. No Chattanooga did not score a 95th-minute banger against us and knock us out for the second time, knocking us out of the playoffs. None of that happened. Right, sure. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, key additions, we added Michael Hornsby from Central Valley Fuego. Jao Gamario, he's a player that I'm – okay, so I lied. There's three players I'm crushing on. Jao Gamario is number two. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. 
He played against us in the U.S. Open Cup, and he pulled every string in that midfield. Like, this is like Neil, but multiverse Neil. Like, this is Neil from, like, Earth 2. Like, it's very odd to see how much these two very much play like each other, and I'm very interested to see how Darren does with it, but that does not mean I have questions. Um, Colton Belmer, who was was sporting, I mean, not sporting, um, Colorado Springs last year, uh, he joins us. He played at VCU, so it's kind of like a homegrown kid coming back. Um, very pacey winger. I do have a couple of questions just because the goals going to ain't that high, but I, I trust Darren. Um, big departures. Jonathan Bolaños goes to Huntsville, Alabama to play for Nashville's two team. Jalen Crisser goes to One Knox. Stephen Payne goes to the Evil Empire. Ethan Bryant goes to Sporting KC2. And Stuart Ritchie goes to Columbus Crew to join our beloved Marco Micheletto. So those are the departures. So you can see there's, for guys that left, there's good guys coming in. Now we get to the part where the schedule gets really tough. So for me, looking through the schedule, I think the toughest part is between September 9th through the 30th. But I think this is the make or break part for Richmond where we can either kind of repeat as a 1-2 seed or we could be struggling to get into the playoffs. Because we have Union Omaha at home. We have Madison at home, which is the last Herndy Derby. Greenville on the road and Tormenta on the road. All tough games. All teams that we have beaten, but yet we have also struggled with in certain parts. So it's going to be interesting to see how we deal with September. Um, so my biggest question about this team is the midfield. If you look at the the midfielders that are attached to this team, they're all quality. They're good players, but it's thin. So I like if one injury can throw everything off. Like if Neil goes out for a standing period of time, Who's going to step up and do his role? If Zaka goes out for a standard period of time, who can step up and do his role? You don't have the three starter center backs that we had last year, so it's not like you could just, you know, start Jalen and Nathan and then throw Dakota as a sick as a CDM. You don't have that option. So, how is Darren going to manage a deal with all that? Usually, we see the team play a four three three, but that might change because once again, midfield depth, in my opinion. Years past, it might translate to a 442 holding or a 4231. It just all depends on what Darren is visioning and then looking like for the team. Because, like I said, you lost Ethan Bryant, who was a core part of that midfield with Neil. So, so I'm interested. So, for me, where I can, but the silly for this team, they can finish as one of the top three seeds. They're strong. I think they're one of, outside of Greenville. I think they brought back the most number of starters again for the second year in a row. And they're a very strong team. Like, 1 through 12 is strong. My question is just the depth. You know, when four of your new signings are under the age of 19, it's kind of hard. <laughs> and you're relying a lot on guys not getting injured and being healthy. Um, the floor for this team, and it kills me to say this as a kicker fan, but barely missing out in the playoffs. And that's on the end of, like, injuries and guys is getting injured at the wrong moment. You know, my biggest question is just depth. And I won't be able to see that depth in time in person. So I open the floor for any questions. I know you're mentioning the depth in midfield, but do you think the attack, obviously with the loss of Bolaño, it's like how much do you think that's going to affect Richmond? 
I don't see us scoring the highest number of goals in the league, but I think it will be – I think you have good parts. I think you have good parts in Gordon coming back. Um, Su- Suko? Suko? Um, yeah, Suko. Yeah. Suko's a part, a part of me. I think he will be in the midfield just because I know he did not love it for Madison, so that might be the cover part there. But, like, back to the – like, the winger, you got – uh, of course, Emmy, you got Matthew Bentley, you got Colton Bailey, you got um Omar Gordon, like you got good pieces there. Uh, my whole thing is just the midfield depth, it's just how much that because you, if you know Richmond, like everything runs and flows in that midfield, like Zach is going to be back there to be a destroyer, and then Zach is Zach's job to get it up to Neil and let Neil create in space. So I just wonder, like, who's going to be that connective piece in between Neil and Zaka that Ethan was last year. Who's going to be that ball carrier? And I don't see that in that team thus far. If it's Justin Sukal, I got questions because he's really more so of a winger and you transition to make him a midfielder. If it's Jao Gomario, who I love, he, to me, represents more of a Neil that's more of a creator. He's not really a ball carrier. So I, I just I wonder on that part, you know, just how things are going to look. Did your defense change a lot this offseason? Um, not too much. I mean, it was a lot of guys that – I mean, well, we lost three people off our defense, but all the guys that are there have all played. Like Simon Fitch played a lot of minutes as a right back. Even got to start in that uh, aforementioned semifinal over Richie, who was playing great up to that point. Um, the three center backs with Jalen, Dakota, and Nathan, all three of them start and – we're on a bench at certain parts of the year. So it's not like you're losing any depth there. I think the biggest loss is probably Stephanie Payne because the longest we had to have someone on that right side that can get up and also cover. So that kind of worries me a little bit. But I think with the addition of Michael Horns being on that side, we saw the job that he did at Floyd. I know Michael's on the left, but I think the job that he does there, I think he fits perfectly to what Darren wants. So, yeah, that's really the only concern I have. Outside of that, I mean, you still got Akira. The spine of this team is very much the same. It's still Akira, Zaka, and Terzaghi. Like, that hasn't changed. So, as long as that stays solid, I mean, this team's got a shot. It's just all about staying healthy. Yep. That's it. All right, and the final team for tonight's episode is Kyle's beloved money-throwing Ford Madison. Yes, Ford Madison, my favorite, my true love. Uh, last year, you know, things uh, started not great. It got really, really good in May and June. Um, and then they only won one game from, like, mid-July for the rest of the season. So they finished ninth. Is this before or after your coach threw everyone under the bus? Oh, this was all before because the comments were as after the season ended. Oh, okay, okay. So that was good too. So yeah, they finished ninth, missed the playoffs, but won the Henny Derby. So not all was lost that season. Um, but because of the money throwing comment, yes, they brought in Chris Cheney, uh, they brought in Timmy Mel, they brought in Jacob Kroll. So those are probably the three big ones, big names uh, in terms of the incomings. They're able to keep Mitch Osmond, able to keep Andrew Wheeler, Omenu, uh, Z Bartman, and Derek Part as well. So it was good to see some of that core stay together, but. Uh, they lost Eric Leonard, who had made the most appearances, and Madison he was there from day one. 
he got a deal over to Chicago Fire 2. And then Mateus Cassini, um, he is now at Tormenta. So should be interesting to see how he does the season. Um, I swear, if y'all don't boo that man the first time he shows back up before, I'm going to be so disappointed. <sighs> I, I, I don't think he will, uh, unless unless comments come out, unless he says something about Madison that pisses people off. I don't see that happening. I, I, look, even Cardio King himself has not got booed since. Um, yeah, at least Cardio King didn't quit. That man made it know, like, yeah. I'm he, he kind of like did not show up the rest of the season. And that lost man his job had a to baby. A back. It was like out <laughs> look i understand you're tired but those are the main departures uh the toughest stretch i think for madison is going to be in the month of may it's more because it's very road happy so they go to knoxville at the beginning of may then they go to north carolina fc where they have struggled i don't think i think they've lost every game they've played in north carolina so that is hopefully um something they can shake uh they go to they have they'll go at home so that could be a good chance for them to get the three points. And then they go to Omaha uh, Memorial Day weekend. So that's just it's very road-heavy. Um, Ford Madison historically has not done great on the road to start the season. So I'm wondering, with this being in May, when they normally start turning things around, will they be able to kind of buck that trend and get the, start picking up their form by then? Uh, that's not including potential open cup matches that might happen if they were to get that far. Um, for my bigger question is they just have a smaller roster size in general. I think right now with the announcement of uh, Benitez, a midfielder on loan from uh, Real Salt Lake, I think they only have like 16 player, like 16 or 17 players. So that's a little bit concerning, especially in the midfield where I think they only have like three true midfielders on that team. So might get a little dicey. I feel like the attack is fine. I feel like defense is definitely a little bit thinner, but with there's a little bit more flexibility if they decide to go in the back three or not. But the midfield is definitely a, the area where it's a little bit more tenuous, and they only have one keeper, and I don't even think he's in America yet. So that's fine. Um, how they play, it's they definitely go with the more possession-based, uh, kind of more of a high-pressing style. Uh, I'm sure, it, despite how much I hate it with the passion, they will go with the 3 4 3. Um, but I think with some of the signings, especially in Kroll and Payne, they are going to be able to have them be both. With, like, Kroll can be either a left sided center back or it could be the left wing back or like or just a traditional left back. And with Payne, he can go anywhere on that right hand side. So I think it does give him that option to go with like a 4 3 3, 4 2 3 wide two strikers, whatever. But I think it'll still be like the 3-4-3 three, three that we saw a lot of last year is going to be the base. But a lot more possession style and a lot more pressing, I think it's going to be the aim. Um, and the ceiling, a home playoff game. I truly think, you know, finishing third or fourth would not be out of the realm of possibility. I think that is a good ceiling for them. We even saw last year at one point, like this team looked like a team that could host a playoff game with how they are playing in May and June and then it all fell apart. So I think that's still a high possibility. And then the floor is this is the playoffs again and probably gonna, yeah, it's just not gonna be pretty if that happens. But it is, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't think they're gonna be wooden spoon area, kind of how they were last year. But I, I do think missing the playoffs is definitely a floor. I can see another 
eighth, ninth place finish. So I have two questions, and that'd be cool. <laughs> one, where is the panic meter at if things don't go right? And how quickly will you push him out the door if things don't go right? I feel like I will not be hitting panic meter because Ford Madison's just always struggled starting the season. Like, it's just been, even from, from year one, starting the season well has just not been their thing. And that could be for a variety of reasons. They start in Omaha and Lexington and host Greenville. So that's already kind of three tough, potentially tough matches. That's why I'm saying, like, after May is what it when it'll really start getting interesting because you know in terms of particular talent like Knoxville will be interesting but you know I think I would still have four bats ahead of Knoxville. North Carolina is going to be tough because they have definitely improved and again four bats is a struggle so I think I could see more of a halfway now if things are still not looking good by like June July. Then I'll probably start hitting a panic meter button, but for now, I, I'm just going with the knowledge of Four Madison always normally struggles at the start of the season to really get going, and I think there's no reason for me to hit a panic button because we've also seen how many teams last year start really well and tail off, and vice versa. Teams like Central, like Fuego, was hovering around the top of the league last year, and then they just <laughs> fell apart. And I and I was gonna say like even like a North Carolina they started well they fell fell off at the end Tucson started terrible and it decided in, in September to turn around so you know there's going to be months where it's just not gonna look good so hopefully Ford Madison can buck that trend but I'm I don't think there's any reason to hit a panic button until June or July if things aren't going well. All right, All right well. That wraps up part one of our podcast. So what we're going to do is wrap up this part, take a little break, and then tomorrow you will hear part two where we go through the other six wonderful teams in the league. So as always, guys, we love hearing from y'all. Make sure you take the time today to listen to Walking 90. I forgot to do the outro because I've done this. Make sure you listen to Walking 90 on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. Make sure that you share with a friend. It's easy to get started, and we will holler at you guys next time. So with that being said, for Ebony, for Kyle, and myself, we will holler at you guys tomorrow. Bye.